Good news, everybody. You're Paxton with the Legends. We're your hosts from the Gamer News Editing Team. My name is Eric, and I love the video game Apex Legends. <laughs> My name is Whitney, but you can call me Lumbago, and I, too, love the video game Apex Legends. I'm Finn, and I hate Apex Legends. <laughs> I knew it! <laughs> I knew it this whole time! All right, I'll see you guys later. I'm just kidding. <laughs> uh, uh, we have a good amount of stuff to talk about today, uh, but before we get into the show, we have a quick announcement to make uh, for our Facebook viewers. Uh, FYI, this will be the last episode that we stream live on Facebook. Now, the show uh, will still be available on our YouTube channel, The Gamer News and Reviews, and it's still available in audio only on any of your podcast apps, whether you used uh, iTunes or Spotify or whatever podcatcher you prefer. That's a term I just learned. So the show's not going away, uh, but it will not be streaming on Facebook. That said, if you are watching the show on Facebook today and have been watching it, thank you. If you uh, would like to see the show on Facebook, there is a chance it could come back. But what we need from you is uh, a show of support. So if you can like and comment on this video, if you can send messages to the Facebook page and let the Facebook gods know that you uh, want the show, then we will see what happens. Otherwise, please tune in to our YouTube channel or uh, listen to the audio version of the podcast. So that's all we have to say about that. Um so let's get into the show. Let's uh, kind of switch up the format a little bit and start with the hunt and uh, the story chapter this week. I think there's not too much to talk about, so maybe we can just knock that out really quick. Um, this yeah. is our our penultimate hunt, second to last one. Next yeah. week being the the finale, and it was. Um, does anyone have anything to say about it at this point? Well, one thing that was unique that I liked is that. Because I noticed the loadout, it was like charge rifle. And I was like, I swear, if it's just going to be some random level, but you have a charge rifle, I'm going to swap this out for a Mozambique if I have to. But they start you on a drop ship, and the drop ship is special in that it's much higher than most of them when they land. So you get to use the charge rifle from a very, very high up place. I think it's even higher than Cage. Pretty high up. Yeah. So I appreciated that much attention to detail and like catering to the loadout. Uh, and then, yeah, and then moving through the cave, I felt like fighting the prowlers in the cave, especially with the zone c closing in from the inside of the cave, felt a little more suspenseful than normal. So there were a couple of like very small things I felt like that they did that made it more fun than the last few. But all in all, you know, it's not like they did anything crazy. It was the exact same format. You go in, locate the drill site, start it, grab the thing, track. Mm-hmm. I definitely found it a little harder, like, because I'm just so used to yellowing, just, like, going right through, just, like, recklessly. I'm like, holy cow, like, I actually probably should have shot some of these uh, prowlers from the, the, the dropship, like it literally says to do. <laughs> <laughs> but, um, but I actually had to go back. I wouldn't, I wouldn't give myself the benefit, because, like, if you do die in it, they actually let you, like, just, uh do it again in the game like in the thing i was like no i'm backing out i'm starting from scratch we're doing this in one time all the way through i'm not gonna i'm not gonna baby this <laughs> so yeah. i'd actually go back in there and be more thoughtful about what it is i was doing <laughs> yeah the first one i've had to do that 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 is one thing um that that what andrew mentioned about um sort of like the atmosphere of being in the cave with the walls closing that was something i kind of picked up on last week too that i didn't mention when we're in the uh 
the pit and it closes in completely. I, I do appreciate when in these hunts, when it can make something so familiar feel very different, feel like something, mm-hmm. something new. And because I don't think the zone ever ends in the caves, or at least I've never played a game where the zone ended and squeezed everybody into the caves. It was, it was at least sort of cool to get a different look at Kings Canyon and, you know, a map that we've been playing for two years or I guess a year and a half now. Um, so that was cool. But of course, like the hunt itself is just the same that it's been every week for the last eight weeks, I guess. Um, yeah. But uh, last last week, last one, what, any expectations at this point? I mean, we'll figure out what it is that we're building. <laughs> we'll like know with certainty. Um I hope so. Are you going to go into the the lore piece of it too, like about like the sort of big reveal that happened after that? Yeah, yeah. Let's let's get into that. So this week's uh, lore chapter is uh, just a conversation between Gibraltar and uh, and Caustic. Yeah, mm-hmm. they're the only two characters in the chapter. And uh, yeah, Whitney, as you hinted, there's a big reveal. You want to describe it? Yeah. Well, this is the one where we discover who the mole is. And um, it's quite a surprise that we learn that Caustic is the one who's been filling Revenant in on the activities. And um, it's interesting. Yeah, and it's a conversation. And by the way, I don't know if I'm the only one, but, like, I cannot read Gibraltar's dialogue without hearing it in the Gibraltar voice. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Oh, brother. <laughs> yeah, I mean, all the other ones is kind of like, I mean, I get it, but, like, I, I just, yeah. Like, I call everyone brother. Right, like, <laughs> but um. Anyway, wait. So. Does everyone have a Gibraltar voice? Because I don't, and you both did it like you just do it all the time. Come on, brother. Hey, <laughs> hey brother. Well, he good. has this voice line that I absolutely love, where he goes, "This is a party I'd bring home cooking to." <laughs> I like it. But anyway, so we figure out who the mole is, and um, it's kind of strange because the reveal is that you know Kozik's the mole and he sort of has played this protector role to Watson and we've always assumed because at some point that it was like a sort of like a you know a fatherly role because she lost her father right but what we end up seeing here is that he's just like Watson is too smart she's too valuable to lose and it almost unhumanizes him to me (laughs) Like, it's not about Watson as a human. It's about Watson as a sort of scientific gift, which is that to me, because I had almost warmed up to Caustic. Almost. He might be a good guy. He might have a soft side. Oh, no, 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 no. He's only in it for his personal gain. And his personal gain involves having super smart science woman around. Yeah. Yeah. Sorry, Andrew. Uh, I I was about to ask both of you what your sort of read on that was because uh, it was a little confusing to me. But uh, it seemed like my 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 sort of take on it was Caustic was explaining to Gibraltar that the reason he betrayed everyone was because he didn't want uh, he didn't want her to be distracted from the pursuit of science. Right. But I also sort of read it as that maybe he was not being honest and it was really more jealousy that he was spending some, that she was spending so much time with crypto. Mm. Did that come, come through Andrew? Did, is that, how did you read it? That's a really interesting um, take. Uh, I'll, I'll pivot uh, back to commenting on that specifically in a second. 
But just a quick little blurb, I found it interesting the way that Caustic and uh, Gibraltar were engaging. It was almost like they were both debating two different sort of uh, ways to approach almost. Uh, it's like a philosophical view on life. It's like Gibraltar was like a philosophical minimalist. He was just like, all life is equal. Like even my enemies I protect, like you should value life. Life is life. They all have value in, in their own ways, you know. And Caustic was more of a, oh, I value life too, but it, but it's not equal. Uh, Watson stands head and shoulders above the others, for example, because her, her mind is so unique and valuable and it needs to be preserved. It was like really interesting to me because they were like representing these two completely different philosophical like standpoints of like the value of life and whether or not it's equal and like how to measure that. Yeah, I don't know. I've kind of felt like that was decently interesting. Um, but like you said, his reasoning, Kazakh's reasoning for betraying them and being the mole, I was also, like Whitney, a little disappointed because I was warming up to him and I thought maybe he was being framed for being too one-dimensional when he wasn't one-dimensional. Now he's kind of pivoted back to one-dimensional, like cares about his science. Uh, you know, if that's truly all it was, is he was just like, oh, I just want Watson to be a little less distracted. So I betrayed everyone by letting... It seems a weird, convoluted way to go about helping Watson still work on science. I don't know. But like you said, that's the most the interesting thing to me is like maybe he perhaps was jealous of her bond with crypto and that's why he got it out. So I like that explanation the best, but you just brought up, which I didn't personally think about that much. And now that you bring it up, I like it. I think that seems a little bit more convincing. Well, and I should add too that I, like one of the respawn, I want to say writers has gone on there to say that like, you know, he's said on Twitter that it's not like a romantic thing between like what, what caustic might feel for Watson. Right. It's almost just a, like, um, I can see it being jealousy in the sense that like you are a brilliant scientist and you're spending time with this other brilliant person. And I am jealous because I am the brilliant person you should spend time with. Yeah, It's possessive. So, yeah, yeah exactly. 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 Yeah. Um, so it will be interesting to see how this plays out, right? I think I think so. I it it did feel a bit like it came out of nowhere. Like I it wasn't even apparent from I had to go back and read last week's and it wasn't apparent that Gibraltar went outside or that that either of them went outside or that you know it was leading here. All we knew was that, you know, Lobo went in one direction and some of the legends left to go do the the next hunt which we saw. Um but yeah, it just sort of it, it uh, for a second I felt like I had missed a chapter or something. Mm -hmm. um, you bring up a really good point. I almost feel like the this entire experience would have benefited by at the very end of each dialogue, it would like pull up almost like this very basic simplified map of where where the legends are, right? And like seeing their icons move, that yeah. would actually help me. I think going into each week, frame things a little better because like you. I tend to have a, a rough time mapping out where they were we left off last. Yeah, yeah. There's just a lot of moving pieces. Um but ultimately, uh I agree with, with both of you. I'm not I'm not convinced that the reasoning for him betraying the group really makes any sense. Like I can't really even track the logic of it. Like I'm gonna tell Revenant what you guys are doing so that Watson will focus on science. Like, how do you, how does that make sense? How does that line up? I don't know. It will be interesting. I mean, there's clearly a scientific element at play here because you do have the sort of like um, 
everybody plays a role in this, right? Uh, we can think about um, if you go back, like just looking through, we sort of have Loba is the person who's like the trickster being manipulated self, like about like why they're involved in this in the first place. You have Bangalore who's playing like the like, oh, I can't believe you got us into this mess, but then also feeling sort of obliged to say like, you know, okay, but I still have to help, right? Mm -hmm. um, you have like the sort of Gibby being Gibby. We already just talked about the moralism of that. You have Caustic really being like very like, you know, almost warmed up. And then he has like a sinister motive for the thing that he's doing. Uh, you have Watson. We've had a sort of moment where we've seen her level of brilliance shine through and like forging this bond with crypto. And, you know, I remember like recall like a, was it last week or the week before where um, it was crypto versus versus caustic. Right? right. So you sort of see that like he's the one who's being falsely identified, which is something that's kind of happened to him before. Right. That's totally um, they, you know, they they've said that like his sister was kidnapped and presumed dead. But now we know that his sister presumes that he's dead or presumed that he's dead. Mm -hmm. um, so I guess like all of this to say, and I'm trying to think of like who else, I'm kind of thinking of this on the fly. But I think what's really interesting is that we've seen the sort of character traits all come out in everybody, right? Um, mm, maybe Mirage a little bit less, but a little bit. Like you saw this bubba da bubba bubba, and we've seen um, Octane be an Octane. He's not the brightest crayon on the box, right? <laughs> Um, and we've seen, uh, Lifeline just sort of feeling like she has to go after Bud and, you know, that's kind of her, who her character is. So I feel like if they've done one thing through all this, when you put everything together, it's really, really found an interesting way to bring all these characters' backstories together, or maybe not backstory is not the right word, but personalities together yeah. and put them in the same room for the first time. Yeah, I totally agree. It it really felt like every single legend had a moment to shine in this story. And uh, you know, more than I appreciate the the narrative arc, I I just appreciate like getting to know these characters better. Uh and I think that's something it definitely did did very successfully. Um so where things left off, what what you hinted at, uh we know Revenant is coming for Loba. Loba is, is sort of lone wolf right now, um, but Bangalore and Gibraltar are going to go try to defend her, and we're, we're building up to this final showdown in the last chapter. Um, and we also know that we're going to finish building the artifact next week. So, Winnie? What do you think about the idea that Otherworld Revenant comes and takes down Revenant in... Halloween world and now Loba sort of is indebted to him hmm. because you know it's this revenant I don't know sometimes when they do like alternative universes timelines and stuff like that uh, I personally sometimes feel like it's like an easy way to rewrite the story without having to actually rewrite it <laughs> mm -hmm. but I yeah. but I feel like the po folks involved in this are not going to sort of leave the fact that we're in another zone undone right yeah. it almost would be too complicated to try to do that because you now have two different storylines okay in this timeline this happens in this timeline this happens so i don't know it's just an idea but that would also add to the fact that like loba and revenant should be enemies but maybe loba 
was trying to take him down and then knew like Reverend in the other world hmm. would owe her his life. Possibly. I, this may tie into that, but I'll, I'll throw this out there. I'm expecting that when the artifact gets completed, it will get lost or stolen. I think that's going to end up being a loose thread and something to bring us into maybe the next season or a future story arc that will resolve the conflict between the legends themselves. But this MacGuffin that we've been building is going to get taken out of the story. Um, that's sort of what I'm expecting. And whether that ties into what's going on with Crypto Sister or not. That's a that's still a question I have, but um, well, I think you're. Uh, I if I was betting, I would say you're definitely right. Specifically, if this artifact has to do with anything gameplay related, because it'd be weird for them to kind of like towards the middle endish of a season, all of a sudden introduce some big thing that's not already kind of like been um, publicly announced. So. I think that's very, very likely or possible that, like you said, it'll sort of be put on the back burner after some cliffhanger of some type. Like maybe the character relationships will be resolved, like you said, but that in particular, and maybe what Hammond's going to do with it or this or that will be in a cliffhanger until next season. And that's what's going to explain a lot of what will happen this season, something along those lines. I yeah, that's a good theory. Now, we have a couple things that are coming together next week. Uh, it isn't just the end of this story it's also our third and final message when this next bunker opens um mm. so that's a little convenient because we know that there's another bunker that's going to open the following week this isn't the last bunker it's just the last mm. secret message so it's mm. it's sort of interesting that that is happening to line up with the end of end of the hunt end of the broken ghost story um mm. so not that i have any specific theories about what that means but um, as Angie mentioned, we still have four weeks planned left of the season. It'll probably extend just because it always does. So mm-hmm. what what sort of things can actually happen, can actually be coming to the game, you know, with four weeks left in the season? It seems like that's not likely that there will actually be like a mechanic or a gameplay thing. Um, but with these these last two bunkers and with this last secret message, it, it seems like we are building up to something. And, and with this last hunt, is there any, mm-hmm. you guys have any ideas about what that is or what, what might happen next? Well, one thing that I can say is that in the past seasons, they have definitely had in game teasers, which we also have here. Right. But we sort of have these two simultaneous things happening. We have the underworld story, the Halloween world, as you like to call it. Mm-hmm. Um, but we also have what's happening with crypto in the world that we are in right now, like in the actual battle royale world. So what I've noticed in the past is that like it's sort of near the end of the season. They start adding more and more teasers. So I feel like the bunker teasers may just be a piece of it because at some point here, they are going to introduce us to the new character um, and the only reason we know it's a new character is because it has been consistently Apex's model that they would be introducing a new character every season. Um, but they've said that they haven't necessarily done that with guns. And who knows, maybe this is the first season they choose not to do that. Uh, if it is, I have a lot of legend tokens that um, are just going to keep going to waste. Just re-rolling so. your daily <laughs> quest? <laughs> yeah. Um, but so I think that, you know, once this story ends, it's going to be like there's going to be something revealed. And it wouldn't actually surprise me if there's some other in-game teasers in the following weeks that are tied to that. 
And I would say it'd be very unlikely that they would like introduce something crazy near the end of the season. But I feel like some things were introduced kind of near-ish the end of the season. I can't really remember when the Bloodhound area was introduced, but I do remember there was the split in World's Edge. And then I feel like the Bloodhound area in World's Edge actually came later than that. It so was. kind of later mm-hmm. in the season. So yeah. who and knows? What, yeah. We will have if if it goes by tradition, we'll have another event this season because we just had our collections event just ended. And before the season ends, it's likely we'll have a progression event like the Bloodhound one uh, pre- mm-hmm. the previous season. So, Yeah, so like if something is coming like that, I believe we will at least know a little bit in advance uh, by way of trailer and some, some sort of announcement. So uh, I guess we'll see soon enough. Yeah, yeah. So So our next bunker opened... This week, it was the bunker outside of artillery, and uh, you can access it with Crypto's drone the exact same way. It's the exact same bunker as the last one that opened, and it has another message from Mila, um, and she's telling the story of when she was captured by the syndicate, and that what they wanted from her was how she and Crypto found the algorithm. Is that something we've ever heard of before? Is that is that a callback to something? Yeah. Yes. So when crypto is first introduced, the reason why that whole fiasco happened is because they found the algorithm that an, an algorithm that essentially would tell you who would win for for the game. Right. And so that opens up this huge underground betting. Like it's it's Matt. It would. They said this could change everything for us. Right. And then of course disaster strikes because it was found out that they did crack this this algorithm that supposedly was linked to the games and predicting who would come out victorious things, things to do with that. Okay. Okay, cool. So that makes a lot of sense. So in this, in this, uh, message, we know that the syndicate did actually catch me. I think last week it wasn't clear if she had gotten away, if they were after her, we have one more message. When the next bunker opens, there are two bunkers left to open and they are both around slums. So here's my harebrained theory. If we open a bunker at slums and get the last message, is Mila in the next bunker? Mm. Are we going to rescue her out of bunker number four? Because why mm. is why is the next bunker the last message if there's another bunker after it? There's got to okay. be something because you hack it the same way and some something. There's something. What is it? Now my mind's <laughs> all spinning because now now I want to say like I think we were talking about this before. Like slums would be a cool area on the on the map that has been untouched forever, and even that entire area is kind of untouched. Yeah. That if they, they did some changes, right? Slums would be a cool place to see those changes. Like I think the joke was like, you know, all of a sudden it gets gentrified and it's like high rise apartments. All the, you know, yeah. it's like something <laughs> totally different. But um, yeah, something like that would be really cool. I like that idea. I like the idea of actually finding a person in the bunker. Bunker. Um, it would even be cool if they led us to believe that we would find her in the bunker and then it was somebody else, mm-hmm. like Loba's blue haired. <laughs> Ninja mm-hmm. look like friend. Do you remember him? The hacker? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> he had a hacker buddy too. Everybody's got one. <laughs> um, I don't know. You know, it'd just be funny if they just did something to subvert our expectations yeah. like Forge. But even just, yeah, Mila herself would be super cool. Like I like that idea a lot. Uh, I'm I'm dying for anything. Anything that, that would shake it up for us yeah. in that but, last bunker would be cool. Like Wendy said, it has to be something. There's no reason to have it one more bunker if it's not if it's not something, right? 
Well, and I want to point out one other thing. So in the season trailer, which we may not have ever talked about this on the show, uh, but the season, it was the, not the gameplay trailer, but the actual trailer where it's sort of Loba breaks Skulltown, basically. Um, there's a very small moment where the name of another planet flashes on the screen. And oh, it says, whatever do facility. Don't start yeah. talking third map. My heart can't I'm handle it. I'm just saying. It says that there's another facility and the other facility is on another map. Yeah. And I mean, we... that's that's ultimately, that's the dream. Like, <laughs> yeah, like not not that I want more maps forever because I think, I think two maps is very good for the health of the game, but like mm. new, new map is always going to be the hypest thing possible for Apex, like a hundred percent new map. So, like, it's been a game of trios. It'd be cool if there were three maps they ended up settling on, and then changing those three maps sort of yeah. cyclically. And imagine if that new map is a facility on an asteroid in space. Let's go! I want it. <laughs> Ace, Apex Legends in space, baby. <laughs> Low grav mode. <laughs> Wait, have they done that? No, I don't think I, they have. Um, uh, yeah, and just so, just for a little extra context for those who are listening who may not remember, it was while they were in the facility where there was lots and lots of revenant bodies, right? So the right. Theor- theory would be that whatever this facility is on another planet is where, where the source they're code also is. mass producing. Yeah, and they're also mass producing a bunch of these other revenant characters as well. So Revy boys, yeah, yeah. Yeah, so just oh, to jump back to the hunt quickly, like the whole point of getting the artifact is to trade it for Revenant source code. Now, I don't really think that's going to play out that way. Like that was obviously the setup. I don't think that's what's going to happen. But on the other hand, what if she trades for the source code and we find that the source code is on another planet and then we're on an asteroid? Wait, fight, wait, fight I, crazy. Like, I like it. I like it. <laughs> wait, something, something crazy. Yeah. We have seen all these different revenants, right? Could it be possible that the same way that there is an alternative world revenant, that they have sent this revenant to be the, the, the sort of overlord of this other King's Canyon world that we play in? Could it be possible that they are using whatever technology they've used to put Wraith in all these different zo- like portal worlds, right? Could it be possible that they're putting revenants in every one of those because they want to control every timeline for some reason? Whoa. Whoa. <laughs> My head hurts. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, we'll leave that. You know, you can think about that until next week, folks. Um, Bam. Uh, before we get to our, our our main topic for the day, there was one thing I wanted to bring up briefly, which was this new new player bundle. Have you guys seen this in the shop? Oh yeah, I, I can't remember what was in it. I, I remember seeing it. It's so quintessentially Apex. It's <laughs> it's four different legendary skins from four different collections events. So it's okay. like the crypto skin from this past event, and a bloodhound skin from the one before that. It's just like four different legendary skins. It's seventy two hundred Apex coins. It's over seventy dollars for these four oh my skins. God. For the for the welcome bundle, like the new player bundle. Uh, and that's oh what I was going to say, though. Welcome to Apex. Like, Welcome to Apex. Pay us 70, yeah. over $70. <laughs> Get used to it. It's, it's <laughs> yeah. trial by fire. <laughs> that is actually pretty insane. If they um, were four exclusive skins, I would be like, all right. Yeah, here, I understand. Here's my wallet. Like, 
I get it. But uh, yeah, there it's just and and as we know from these two hundred and twenty dollar collection events, like people are gonna pay, people are gonna buy it. That's why it's <laughs> the reason it's seventy dollars is because they can get away with charging seventy dollars. You know what makes me so sad is that I finally broke and I've never bought anything from any of these collection events in this season because plot twist i didn't have the battle pass until recently <laughs> but instantly had found that 80 80 levels worth of things available to me and that's not buying 25 levels that's like just the battle pass um i was like no i'll throw in some extra coins i threw in a lot of extra coins and i bought three legendary skins for legends <laughs> about 60 bucks and then i was like yeah. i'm now one of those people like they got me they straight up got me so uh Every now and then, it's just a moment of weakness. <laughs> yeah, I and mean, I, that, I, yeah, that's the thing, isn't it? It's probably is a deal for those four skins. Like probably individually, those would have been more than seventy dollars, right? They'd probably be like eighty. Yeah, exactly. They're, so they're giving you like a a very small deal. Yeah. on four character legendary skins, which is like it's just not quite. It's a, amazing. You know? It's amazing. But you got to pretend to be a day one player. So I remember in Fortnite, it was like a big, big deal when they brought back like the, I forget what it's called, skull something. There was like a black skin that like had like the little skull emblem or had like a, like so. a body with like a skeleton. <laughs> um, but it was such a huge deal because it was a season one or very early season two skin, but I want to say season one. So it proved you were a day one player. And there was all this controversy because they knew they could make a ton of money if they brought it back. And so um, uh, yeah. what they ended up doing was, well, what they ended up doing is they brought it back. But basically, if you had already had it because you earned it that first one, then you got like a green version of it. So you still do have your status symbol, right? Uh, you could okay. use that. Like you could only qualify for that. But that was the one that like people were selling in skin, like Apex or not Apex, the Fortnite skin trade for like 300 bucks, right? And yeah. we'll ask if it's like worth it, but like for these folks that like some of these folks, like they really care about this kind of thing and they want to pretend to be seen as a day one player. So if you have an event skin from the past or like, oh yeah, like it's cool to me because it shows that I was around early on. And that mentality is tough for me, but like I remembered seeing it in Fortnite big time because, you know, it was really in season three that people started playing, but people like to like sort of sport their seniority. Yeah. Um, which I don't see as much in Apex, but I, I was also a week one player, so... And it hasn't been around I wouldn't that see it, right? Yeah. yeah. I don't know. I'm all about new. I always want the newest one. Yeah, yeah. I was going to say, yeah. I like, I understand all of those desires, but with Apex, there is no mark of the day one player. Honestly, even the old skins, like, nobody... Because they're so um, just not unique, essentially... Like, nobody could tell you what the first variant of the first Wraith legendary skin is. No, yeah. like, they just know that it's one of the, like, ones that came about for a small amount of time. So there there really isn't that. So, like, like Eric said, I think what they could do is just a, just a little tip of the hat to the player, some, some extra respect if they're going to charge, honestly, almost exactly full price for these. Throw in, like, even just one thing, even if it's an exclusive badge something new like just anything to make it so that it truly is like a oh here's a deal because it, it all of these deals they offer never really quite seem like they're they're deals they just kind of seem like repackaging for perhaps a couple dollars less but yeah 
Yeah, exactly. It, I, I just want something else. Because I do want to show my status and flex on everyone. <laughs> but I, I don't think I could with these skins, you know. Like, they are they are for sure making their money, and you can't fault them for that. And it's, like, right. a free-to-play game that needs support. Mm-hmm. And we can't have the hunts and the bunkers and all this stuff without that. I get exactly. it. I appreciate it. But it reads as like a little low effort or a little greedy when it's just like, here's four old skins you could have gotten during those events and please pay us $70 for them rather than, you know, something exclusive or whatever. But I mean, well, monetization is always complicated, right? Because I think that there's a whole fan base here and don't take this the wrong way. Anyone listening, I'm telling you just like how it is. (laughs) Um, There's a whole contingent that are just like, this is a big game that's owned by EA, but we also live in, well, that's what's published by EA. Um, But we also live in an era where people, I believe, are more inspired than ever to support independent, smaller creators. So when you see, like, basically, if, like, Respawn came to me and said, hey, we need some of you to chip in $30, they wouldn't say it like that, but, like, if you want us to keep creating the game, like, I would be like, okay, you know, 30 bucks, I love this game, I put a lot of time into it. Which is very, very different to me than to see this huge entity, EA, that you know is having success with their Madden franchises and stuff like this, just shoving down this throat, just like, look at this, quote, deal we're offering you um, for, like, these skins, when someone like me is just like, you know, how, like, like, trying to divorce, like, that aspect of it from just supporting the developers who are creating a cool game, you know? I mean, I think Warframe, like, people are fine with paying their microtransactions because they really support the game and they really believe in the game and they know that that's how it gets better is through them buying their skins and their gear and whatever it is and i think that that's like a really cool mentality but apex i don't believe could do that the same way because again that big big ea backing right yeah yeah, exactly It's, it's not necessarily fair so just to what you both said it's like the developers certainly deserve money they certainly deserve to to for their fan base to show up and show that they care and to tip their hat financially um but the image is like a careful thing to approach especially especially with a publisher like EA you know they should you know uh, think think a, a little bit about how it could potentially come across badly and a few tweaks could i think go a long way when it comes to just how it reads like you said so yeah it's it's an interesting topic but yeah yeah it's re- it's really just more the impression of it than the facts behind it because mm-hmm. like the way it looks to us doesn't really matter when they're you know making money hand over fist and mm-hmm. that sort of segues into our main topic of like uh the way things look versus the way they are we want to talk about the uh skill-based matchmaking in apex legends <laughs> and uh it's a hot topic not just for apex but for for really all competitive games and it's something that um, most games uh, will adjust a lot over time, constantly revisit, and eventually try to find something that works best for them. Uh, the reason we want to talk about it is because of um, some somewhat recent statements for, from the developer team and, and some ongoing concerns that we have uh, just about how they Respawn believes that the skill-based matchmaking is working, that they have concrete evidence that it works. And I want to talk about what what that means. 
What does it mean that the skill-based matchmaking is working? So, uh, Whitney, since you've done the most research about it and, and you've written a piece about it for The Gamer as well, can you tell us a little bit about how the skill-based matchmaking works in Apex and why it is the way that it is? Okay, so none of these companies, like it's all proprietary. They're going to tell you about how exactly they calculate their skill-based matchmaking. And there have been a lot of hypotheses about, well, is it based on uh, KD or is it based on like your rank and ranked modes? Um, but the one theory that seems to hold the most water is um, like movement. Like how many keystrokes can you do in a second? How how well do you move around the map? And then the idea being that like they will lump you into uh, categories with other people that sort of play the same way. With the theory being that like if you're making more actions then you're probably a better player. You have better reflexes, maybe even better aim, right? Um, theoretically. But the, uh, and maybe also with some like KD and stuff in there as well. But that's one of the big factors. So... What we're sort of seeing here, though, is that people who are really pretty solid at the game um, have to really, really work hard uh, to just play even a, quote, normal game, right? And there's two sides of this issue, which is, you know, on the one side, why should a player who is just naturally good, who's set up their skill, why should they have to play really, really sweaty, difficult, challenging matches every time, especially when we're with Finn and he's carrying around a potato like me. Finn's over here getting 20 kills <laughs> and I'm like sitting here with my like 30 damage. No, I'm just kidding. But um, almost. Gross exaggeration. <laughs> But um, then on the other side of it, you have people who are total noobs and you say, how do we deal with them getting pub stomped and saying like, well, I don't ever want to play this game again. And I think that that's one thing because we definitely talked about this and like obviously nobody listening was like privy to this conversation. Um, but I think that's one thing that we consider too that is if you do put in a variable there um, that says, okay, uh, we are not going to introduce the skill-based matchmaking mechanic, uh, but we sort of trust you to um, not make it a terrible experience for noobs, right? Um, you're going to still get the pub stompers who just all day long, they just go in there, all their after is kills. They don't even care about wins. They, they like just drop solo all the time or whatever. And again, I don't want to say it's like a good or bad play style, but it's not the way that this game is sort of designed to be played. So if you're this person and every time you drop, you're just like in these like games that you have no possibility of winning because, you know, you're a person who's rarely ever dealt more than 100 damage a game and you're being squatted against or you're you're sort of loading in with people who have you know 30,000 kills 20 ba 20 bomb badges like all that kind of stuff that is i would believe a frustrating experience um but on the other side it's super super frustrating that i can't play with my buddy finn and just hold my own i just feel like every game i was downed within a few seconds which is like you know if i squad with solos like i actually feel like some of my games were too easy <laughs> yeah so response says that they have hard evidence that's the skill-based matchmaking that is in the game right now works and by works they mean that people play more often and play for longer um and that they have taken it out they have adjusted it and they have come to find that the current skill-based matchmarking matchmaking system works uh the concern is that 
it is not working for everyone. And that's something I think Andrew can speak to. Yeah. So essentially for the longest time, uh, and this is mainly speaking to skill-based matchmaking as it is, because like Eric just mentioned, they have adjusted a lot of things and sometimes it hasn't even been there. And we've noticed when it, when that's happened uh, in the community that's been all sweaty. I, I'll just speak for them, even though I would say I'm on the very low end of a lot of the competitive players. But as somebody who, you know, grinded really hard, has a lot of hours and, and did the whole predator grind and everything like that, uh, the main complaint that comes from that side of it is, which is a small minority of players, is that why is it fair for us to be punished for being good at the game and playing the game a lot? Because what's happening is it doesn't matter where we go. We go to ranked, uh, we're playing against, you know, three stack, half the time they're professionals on salaries, half the time they're just the scenesters who are always there playing 24-7. So you go to public matches uh, outside of ranked and it's the same people, same people, same people, same people. You pretty much recognize half the lobby every game you drop into, and there's no time where you can relax, feel good about the skill that you've acquired because you're just surrounded by that top percentile who all is like you and that, you know, uh, sweat, you play extremely hard every time. And it can get frustrating, especially when you just want to play the game you love just for fun. And even sometimes you just want to see what it's like to play against a random handful of people. So it gets frustrating on the other end, but Respawn makes... Uh, or Respawn slash EA makes a decision that makes sense, honestly, from a business standpoint, because we are the minority uh, that the players who who are sort of at the top, but at the same time, we're, we're those who come back the most. So in some ways, uh, many of us feel like... And likely spend the most. Yeah, we yeah, probably the ones who spend the most, come back the most, uh, understand the game at the deepest level possible. Like, and as a result, feel like our, our voices should matter to a degree, maybe even more than the person who has played uh, 10 to 20 hours total and played, you know, 2,000, 2,500 hours or something like that. So that's kind of the other other coin that, that gets frustrating. Yeah, yeah. And I, I think I, and as someone who is friends with players that are, are good, it's also, uh, it's also a problem. Now, Respawn has said that, they they know that balancing the game for these two very disparate skill levels is hard like it's it makes sense to to us and it makes sense to them that you can't find a perfect system for everyone but like andrew said the players that play the most are the most dedicated the real fans get the short end and mm-hmm. and for whitney and i we can't have good games when we play with Andrew because we're only getting the highest competition. And the problem is that people that play at that really high level, they can play really hard or they can play chill, but the people at low skill level, they don't have a range. They're mm-hmm. playing as hard as they can is exactly the same as they're playing casual. They don't have a, a, a range skill set. So I, I just want to, Oh, I just want to make sure I like to, to mention something too. There's like this argument that's always like, no, if you're good, you should always be playing with people on your skill level. And I don't think that that's true because it's the same way that like, you know, if you study really hard for a test that's really difficult, you're going to sort of like go through the pain and sweat and grit of doing that. But 
if you already feel like you know all the stuff and you just want to be able to sail through it, like, you know, you're going to put in a different level of effort. But there's no opportunity for you to have that. So I'm thinking in particular, it's like maybe you play really sweaty when you're in a team game and you're like not on your stream and you're really focused and all that kind of stuff. But you can be a really good player, but sometimes you just want to hang out and chill and talk to your chat and stuff like that. Yeah. And to your point, you know, uh, Finn and really both of you, it, it really isn't fair to those people who want to have that experience who actually make their living a lot of times doing this you know and they're not going they're not even necessarily saying i want to go in there and have really easy games i just think it's more like i want to be able to try new things without getting punished or let me see like let's say i've only ever played pathfinder well today i want to try playing revenant but since i don't know their skills that well like am i coming into this um with a character I don't know that well, and I'm just going to get dominated by, you know, people who've main Pathfinder and have 40,000 kills, you know? Like, right. Mm -hmm. And so I think, yeah, there, there's like, there's even, it even does a disservice to new fans in a lot of ways, because I'm going to be honest, a lot of the times, I would, I would even argue, say a, a big portion of the time, new players who come in aren't just like, ah, I think I'll just play Apex today and download it. They have a friend who plays Apex. And then they download the game and play with that friend and say there's somebody who really passionate about the game. I have friends who who just started the game. In fact, a couple of days ago, somebody who's pretty much brand new to the game, and I felt like I couldn't play with them because uh, they were getting a horrible experience because mm. I was trying to teach them how to play. I did as much as I could in the fire range. We go in and then we're matching against professional teams in public matches. And this person just learned how to like slide jump and they're getting completely rolled. So like that's the apex experience for them. So like, sure, it's good for players who come in new solo, but a lot of these players are coming in and want to play with their friends and, you know, it can really backfire in a lot of ways too. Right, right. And, and, and to the argument of like, you should be playing with people of your own skill level, like this, it's not work, right? It, like, let's keep in mind, it's a video game. And <laughs> ultimately, I want to play with my friends. That's like my number one goal when I play a game like Apex. Mm -hmm. I, I do not enjoy, unless I'm streaming, I do not enjoy solo queuing in Apex uh, mm -hmm. at, at all. Um, but I really enjoy playing with my friends. And I'll, some of my friends are at my skill level, and, and, we, uh, and we win some games, and we're very competitive. I really want to play with my friends that are better than me and really can't. Like, it's really just a bad experience for all of us every time we do because, um, you know, the, the the myth of the carry for a game like Apex, it's, you can't, unless you're a machine like Shroud, you know, yeah. it's still a team game. People have to pull their weight. Uh, Andrew's, you know, incredible at this game, but he can't carry a team every time we play. Like, it doesn't, yeah, it just, if, it doesn't work <laughs> like that. If I was incredible, I maybe I could, but yeah, the problem is like, like I'm, I'm decent enough, but I, I realized that to play with, to play with my friends. And I honestly wouldn't use you two as an example, because I think you two both have like considerable skill and game knowledge, but like some of the other friends I'm thinking of who barely play like at all to play with them. I, I realized, man, I actually have to play perfectly. Like for us to have a good experience. I, and I feel super burdened because when I, play for fun, which is oftentimes making a bad push because I think it's fun to just be aggressive and I get punished and die for it, then I'm like, man, I'm ruining the experience for my friends because I, I'm not playing perfectly, which can be exhausting if I'm not trying to be like super sweaty and play ranked. So 
Yeah, yeah. I mean, maybe another analogy is like you can be a pro baseball player, but you like also want to have those days that you just play with your buddies that like you went to high school with or whatever it is, you know, and like to just feel like, well, you can't play with them. You only have to play with people who are like pro baseball players today, too. Like, you're just like, well, you know, I have put in a lot of work and effort in order to be there. And it doesn't mean I can just bring it at any moment in time. Like, I have to be the right mindset. Um, so I, I have a lot of, I guess, empathy for it. And one of the questions is, well, what can we do to solve it? And in the piece that I had, I basically wrote, I don't know. Like, sure. I, I don't get paid enough to solve that problem. But something does need to change. And something that was popping into my mind is maybe like, I don't know, Sherpaing or something like that. Like you get in a lower tier, but you also understand that you're like teammates. Um, you know, like if you, just depending on what the challenge is, it's like, oh, you play in hard lobbies. So you get some additional bonus that people who choose not to do that um, or uh, they don't get whatever that is. And yeah. that brings in the whole question of rank because, oh, is that exactly what ranked is? But you know, I think it's tough. And I think you're also dealing with people who would exploit any type of system. Like if you said like, well, are you a you know, weak player, average player, strong player? Like let's say just those three categories. You're going to get people who say they're weak players because they just want to go in and like strong, stomp people and get all those kills and get all those badges. So it's a fundamental, it's like right now as it stands, it's like a design flaw, right? Right. So how do we solve it? I mean, so I'd started to mention like the idea of, like a sherping experience which is maybe you mix the lobbies but they're for more forgiving in some ways i don't know i, I guess i don't really I, know i think you you mentioned rank and that's something we when we first started talking about this this subject that we brought up and the notion that if you want to play with people on your skill level you can do that in ranked and right now if you're a silver gold player you have a much better chance of winning games winning some and losing some and sticking at your skill level in maybe mid gold than you do of just playing casual games where you're going to get stomped yeah you know? casual games where you're mashed with with players who have been deemed by the algorithm to be like predator queue players or whatever right so if like, you if you want a fair experience right now that's ranked mm -hmm. well and so, so we talked about this too, but I've been thinking about what I think I don't necessarily love about just ranked being your entry into the game, right? And I would say that for me, I feel like I don't necessarily want a judgment assigned to my skill level that I didn't sign up for. You know what I mean? So if I'm like choosing to not necessarily play um, ranked games because I don't necessarily like care well let's say for example i don't want to play ranked games because i don't really care what my rank is alongside of everybody i'm way more interested in the lore i'm way more interested in the characters mm -hmm. i'm way more interested in like you know something like that um then it's really hard to onboard me and say like immediately you have to prove your skill level you know well, yeah like to me so, that's that's the long and short of it is we all have a culture before Apex ever came out of ranked and unranked. And unranked is always the mode that's going to be casual and where you go to learn and play pressure free. And it's kind of awkward here because the image doesn't necessarily match the experience. And to me, even though, so like, like what Whitney was saying, I think is really accurate. It's like, that's what a lot of new players that come in, they don't, they don't want to be judged by a ranking system. 
no matter what. They just want to go in and have have fun for their first experience, right? But you are being judged even in that. It's just yeah. an obfuscation thing. It's just not visible. It's just it's it's yeah, it's just not visible. So you're you are being judged. There's an algorithm that's judging every little keystroke you make and uh everything matters, right? It's just the thing is the image. So that's why to me the only feasible solution is to re like rebrand some of these playlists so that the, their images there's like this ranked mode that's very very this is the mode that to play Apex. It's ranked. Ranked is the only mode. This is the mode, right? It's this is this is really it, like blah blah blah, make rank like less of a a thing maybe in game like shrink the icon i don't even know yeah and then have this small little playlist you can pick that maybe you call it something weird like mixed bag and literally descriptions like you wait it's, it's a random smattering of players what whatever you get you get right and then that's the pubs <laughs> yeah, but yeah. maybe they do it so that it deters the weak-minded from selecting sure. it sure but people can have fun again <laughs> well, just get a mixed bag Whitney's gonna explode yeah. if she can't talk right yeah. No, sorry, no, sorry. Like, <laughs> I just looked over and she was like, <laughs> uh, no, no, no. there's two maps, right? Kings Canyon world's edge. Uh-huh. One of them has skill-based matchmaking on. They make it very clear. One of them doesn't. Right. Hmm. And then you can sort of choose which one you want to do. <laughs> yeah. And then they just swap when the maps like would normally swap. And well, I get oh, like that the they only have some okay. player base. Yeah, so, that'd be interesting. Yeah. We know yeah. that splitting the queue is always a big deal. You can never, mm. you can never do that lightly. And right now we have, 2v2, 3v3 casual, and ranked. And Mm -hmm. occasionally we'll have a limited time event that'll give us a fourth one. But anytime you split the queue, that's a big deal. But I think what we're talking about here is that uh, for for this group and for the people that we, like the players that we want to represent, there should be three. There should be a casual, which is no skill-based matchmaking, competitive, which has skill-based matchmaking, and ranked, which is ladder. Mm-hmm. Right. That 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 would be that would solve our problems if there was casual, competitive, and ranked. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, but then that introduces new problems because now you have mm-hmm. four playlists, sometimes five when there's uh when there's a limited time, time event. Yeah. And as a game ages, player base Le- yep. typically decreases. So like I see why mm-hmm. they haven't gone there, but I think that would probably be the best solution for like what our problem is. Yeah, exactly. Like let's say that player base is not an issue and, and, and player attention and numbers are all healthy. That would be incredible. But like Eric just brought up, there's unfortunately that problem. And to be honest, so today I was kind of malding a little bit, uh, being mad and balding uh, <laughs> because I was getting laid to rest in, in our public matches uh, more often than I like to. And so that's kind of how this topic came up. But in reality, we're kind of towards the end of an event. Like the, the player base is probably lower than it has been. So the people who are sticking around are all really good. So the people to choose from and match with, honestly, the pool is smaller and that, and it's more concentrated on good players anyway. So it's like, that's kind of the nature of what happens to games. Like right. if you go into Starcraft, man, a lot of good players playing Starcraft right now. Games a decade old. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And and there's, um, so yeah. there's all these factors to matchmaking beyond the skill base. There's also uh, connection. There's also queue times, right? So, like, they want to make sure they're trying to balance all of these things, and they know that longer queue times dramatically affects people. Mm-hmm. So, like, okay, we'll get them in the games faster, even if the games are worse. They would prefer to have worse games with shorter queue times. We mm-hmm. have found. So, yeah, you can't make everybody happy 
we like that's kind of the long and short of it is you can't make everybody happy but the problem right now is that the people that love this game the most play this game the most and are the most dedicated to it are the ones that are not happy yeah and the ones you're trying to make happy are the ones you're trying to invite in the door please come like to be cynical like we need more players to play apex so they spend more money so that's who we're going to cater to Mm -hmm. which is like it's just how it is you know it's not like that's not understandable but it's it's good that we i think have revisited this discussion because it's been a while since i feel like it's been Hmm. verbalized so yeah, and, and there was something interesting in, in the piece I read recently about one of the designers saying that the people who complain about the skill matchmaking are the minority. So I think it's important, like, if you have a problem with it, to talk about it. If, like, if it is impacting how much you enjoy the game, like, people's voices do need to be heard. And if we are the minority, then, like, they shouldn't change anything. <laughs> they should not change anything for us if it's a sm- very small amount of people. But I do, yeah. I do worry that it is the core fan base that's that's suffering. Yeah, and that's essentially how it appears to be. Yeah, but and I would, yeah, uh, just add one other like small thing is that like if you ever have tried to get into like a new game or an old game that has like a very active player base, like the game that's coming to my mind is Rainbow Six where you don't only have a character skill gap, but you also have um, a player, you know, uh, if you're loading into like something that's completely not skill-based matchmaking at all, like you are gonna get reamed by every single team that you encounter, you know? So they have like a something for your first 50 levels or something that you can like do that. They also have like a tutorial modes, so they have different things you can do to sort of learn the, the more intricate aspects of gameplay. And it's not necessarily something that I would necessarily know what to work for Apex, but there are other strategies that are beyond just, okay, fix an algorithm. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? So I think that thinking about that, it's like, you know, rewarding different things. I mean, you know, a lot of like in uh, Titanfall, you can play the game in PvP, PV, PvP, um, Titanfall 2, but you can, there's also a whole subset of people who are doing speed runs and that's a way to reward players based on a different skill entirely, you know? Yeah. Um, and maybe it's something like that. It's like, well, I'll never be like the most sweatiest best player, but maybe you're giving me something cool that showcases my special skill, which is like, I don't know, making portal magic like you did today, Finn. He put the portal portal entrances (laughs) For his Wraith portal in front of the portal entrances of the other Wraith portal. Yeah. <laughs> and I just kept going like back a portal and sandwich. I was just trying to cause pure madness because I was one shot and it worked for a while. Wow. And then I got... <laughs> <laughs> uh, you, do, you definitely deserve a badge for that. It was yeah. pretty funny. I'm not going to lie. I was cracking up. <laughs> uh, okay. We're going to cut it slightly short today and save our energy for next week uh, for our finale of the Broken Ooh. Ghost quest very exciting um thank you all for joining us i'm going to consume both of your plugs today to spread a very important message and that is uh we are i believe this is our 10th episode in counting counting the prequel episode and we would very much like to hear from you if you're listening to the show uh if you are becoming a fan of pexing with the legends please 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 if you could 
uh, leave us a review on iTunes. If you could uh, message us on Twitter at Pex and Al is is the Twitter page for the show. Uh, we'd really like to start hearing from uh, our listeners and uh, becoming more of a community for the game. Uh, I think that would be really cool. So uh, reach out to us however you like on, on Facebook, on Twitter, and uh, leaving us reviews either on Spotify or iTunes, wherever, wherever you listen to the show, that would be, that would be fantastic. So thank you so much. And we'll see you next week for the final mission of the broken ghost. Bye everyone.